Christ is risen. He is risen. Now what? We've been looking at the implications of the resurrection, and so far we've been uh, kind of applying them to our lives individually, but one of the greatest implications of the resurrection is that it launched a new community called the church. And that community is being transformed by the grace of God and empowered by the Spirit of God to be like Jesus and to do the kinds of things that Jesus did. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be the church, what it means to be the people of God in the world, what it means to be a community that represents Jesus. Today, I want us to think about how the church is like a field hospital, a mash unit. And back in 1906, the U.S. military began using field hospitals, mobile structures, usually tents, networks of tents that can be easily you know, set up and taken down. And they would set up these tents, these mash units, as close to the field of battle as safely as possible so that they could tend to wounds quickly. And they worked. During the Korean War, if a wounded soldier made it to a field hospital, they had a 97% chance of surviving. Field hospitals are places of healing. They're places of recovery and restoration. And the church is like a field hospital. But before we talk about the church, let, let's talk about God. Psalm 147.3 says that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In Jeremiah 30, God says to the Israelites who are living in exile, your wound is incurable, your injury beyond healing. There is no one to plead your cause, no remedy for your sore, no healing for you. All your allies have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. But, says the Lord, I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. God is a healer and a restorer. When Jesus began his public ministry, he took the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He was in his hometown. He read it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Shortly afterwards, news spread all over the region and according to the gospel writers, people from all over brought to Jesus all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the, the demon possessed, those dealing with seizures, the paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. Over time, Jesus developed a reputation for spending a lot of time with outcasts and untouchables, people who were not welcome in respectable religious society. And when confronted about this, Jesus said famously, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. To the crowds of people who were burnt out and discouraged by the oppressive legalism that ruled the day, Jesus said, come to me, 
All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Apostle Peter looks at Jesus and says, Aha! Here's the one the prophet Isaiah was referring to when he wrote, By his wounds we are healed. Jesus is the wounded healer who bears our sins in his body so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Jesus is a healer and a restorer. He told a famous parable about a, a traveler who was attacked on the road, left for dead, a priest, and then a Levite saw the man, kept walking, fearful that a close encounter with him would make them unclean and unable to perform their religious duties. But then a, a Samaritan saw the man, and his heart went out to him. And he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. And he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, made sure he was comfortable. In the morning, he paid the innkeeper, said, take good care of this man. And if there are any more charges, put them on my tab. I'll pay you when I come back through town. The early church seemed to take Jesus' parable to heart. In the book of Acts, we meet a community that embraced and enfolded all kinds of people, providing not only spiritual nurture, but true friendship, an expansive common life, physical healing, and material and financial provision. Together, they were making the prophet Isaiah's ancient vision a reality. God had said, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again exactly what the early church did. They brought people in touch with the God who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The church is like a field hospital. It's a place of healing and restoration. It welcomes the hurting and the helpless, the lonely and the marginalized, the used up and the burnt out. It embraces those who are at the end of their rope, those who've been rejected everywhere else the awkward and the needy, the grieving and the emotionally spent. One of the things I love about Jesus' ministry and Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan 
is that there are no screener questions. Jesus never asked, now how did you get into this mess anyway? He never tries to figure out if the person in front of him deserves his help or not. He just heals them. In the parable, the man left for dead on the side of the road was probably unconscious. In which case, there would be no point in asking him questions. Not that it would matter. The wound must be healed. His body must be restored. And it's not that Jesus isn't interested in our backstory. It's not that Jesus isn't interested in the, the deeper work of healing our souls, dealing with our pride, reordering our loves. It's just that those deeper issues aren't prerequisite to tending our wounds. We don't feed people because they deserve it or so we can share the gospel with them. We feed people because they're hungry, period. When a triage nurse meets a soldier who's been wounded in battle, they don't grill them about what went wrong. They tend the wound. Churches demonstrate God's heart when they tend the wound. No questions asked. There are so many wounds in our world today. Young people are dealing with unprecedented levels of anxiety and depression. There's a pandemic of loneliness that touches every generation. Polarization and division have made us weary. More and more we feel cut off from and suspicious of one another. Our society is littered with refugees, some fleeing violence and famine in their homelands, some fleeing abusive relationships, some fleeing families and communities that have withheld love and acceptance, some fleeing toxic workplaces that have exploited and dehumanized them. The pandemic has only deepened our loneliness and isolation. It's deprived some of their loved ones, some of their jobs, some of their businesses. It's presented parents, teachers, and students with enormous challenges. Conversations about race and politics have exposed our lack of charity and civility and just how fragile so many of our relationships are. There are so many wounds in our world today. So many people who desperately need a soft place to land who need someone to affirm their humanity and their worth, to listen to their story, to acknowledge their grief, and to offer friendship. There are people who need food in their stomachs, clothes on their back, and a roof over their head. There are people who need encouragement and prayer and hope. People who need someone to recognize and understand their pain. What they don't need are screener questions. They don't need someone to size them up and figure out whether or not they deserve help. They need a community of wounded healers. I think that's the kind of church we're trying to be. Over the years, I've had a lot of proud pastor moments. Moments when... Someone gave me a window into what it's like to come into contact with our congregation. 
I remember talking with a homeless neighbor at one of our breakfasts a couple years ago. He said, everywhere else I go, I feel like a client. When I'm here, I feel like a person. I remember talking with someone whose church had just closed. She said, people here see me. They take an interest in me but they don't pressure me to get involved and start contributing. One person even said, I hope this can be a place where you can heal. And that meant everything to me. A person who doesn't consider themselves religious said to me, Northampton is a better place because of college church. You guys are making a real difference. Another has said repeatedly, you guys have totally changed my perception of what a church is. A young woman who's been through a lot once asked me, why are you people so kind to me? I don't think churches make these kinds of impressions by accident. I think it's the result of being in touch with our own wounds and bringing them to Jesus. I think that that process of recognizing and receiving humbles us, makes us gentle, and hopeful. Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote, we must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or fail to do and more in light of what they suffer. Let me read that again. We must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or fail to do and more in light of what they suffer. I think that's what Jesus did. And like Jesus, healthy churches don't analyze or criticize people's behavior. They tend to their wounds. That posture makes a church a soft place to land. Makes a ministry, makes a small group a soft place to land. The church is like a field hospital. It's a place of healing and restoration. Here's another way a church is like a field hospital. It places itself in close proximity to pain. Jesus' followers intentionally draw near to wounded and broken people, humbly offering our presence, our listening ear, our acceptance, and whatever we hold in our hands. Jesus seemed to gravitate toward the wounded and the broken. His itinerary was filled with encounters with outcasts, with the fragile, with the down and out. I was talking with Emma Kuypers, one of our gospel partners this week. She's a Bible translator in North Africa. In the community where she lives and works, people who are blind have no status and little to no opportunity. So her church started a school for the blind. They drew near. Pope Francis says, I prefer a church that is bruised, hurting, and dirty because it's been out on the streets rather than a church that clings to its own security. Churches place themselves in proximity to pain. This is why we partner with organizations that serve those escaping relationship abuse. Women facing unexpected pregnancies, children in foster care and juvenile justice systems. It's why we walk alongside of those in recovery, those who are homeless and food insecure, 
It's why we wrap our arms around refugees and the infirm and help people build affordable housing. Because we worship a savior who gets close to pain. Because we worship a God who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Can you imagine Jesus walking into downtown Northampton? Where does he go? Who does he look for? Who does he talk to? What do you think? Can you imagine Jesus walking through your neighborhood, walking around your school or your workplace? Who does he look for? Who does he strike up a conversation with? What does he offer them? Can you imagine Jesus walking around here after the service today? Who does he talk to? What does he say? Who does he introduce to whom? Who does he invite to lunch? Jesus seemed to be acutely aware of the wounds people carry. Sometimes they were physical wounds that everybody notices. Sometimes they were invisible wounds, the kinds of wounds we often miss, rejection or shame. Jesus was drawn to wounded people. He got close to them. He made them feel safe. Do we? Who in our world needs healing? Who is God calling us to draw near to? The church is like a field hospital. It's a place of healing and restoration. It places itself strategically in close proximity to pain. And it ministers to the whole person. We minister to people's physical, spiritual emotional, and social needs. The idea that uh, all that really matters is a person's soul, their relationship with God, that is heresy. The goal of history is not disembodied souls floating around in the clouds. The goal of history is the total restoration of the cosmos and the total restoration of God's children. Every atom matters to God. Your body matters to God. Your relationships matter to God. Your emotions matter to God. And so do our neighbors' bodies, relationships, and emotions. When the Bible talks about salvation, it means a lot more than having your sins forgiven and going to heaven when you die, though those are critically important ingredients. Salvation means things are put right. Relationships are mended. Oppression ceases. Shalom is restored. When the Hebrews were released from slavery in Egypt, the Bible calls that salvation. When God protected David from murderous Saul, the Bible calls that salvation. When Zacchaeus repents of his extortion and pays back the money he stole with interest, the Bible calls that salvation. Salvation is all-inclusive. The salvation Jesus brings transforms the entire person. 
Jesus heals the paralytic and forgives his sins. Jesus raises Jairus' daughter and makes sure she gets something to eat. He heals a tortured son and ministers to the father's doubts. He forgives the prostitute, affirms the depth of her devotion, and publicly criticizes her detractors. Jesus ministers to the whole person, and so do we. That's why our vision is not to pass out life preservers while the ship goes down. Our vision is to see a world renewed, neighborhoods transformed, people brought to life by the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm so proud of the ways that College Church has lived that out, is living that out together. If you're new to College Church, if you're kicking the tires, trying to figure out if this is a place you could ever call home, Maybe you're listening online and you're wondering, I wonder what these people are really like. First of all, thank you for taking this risk. It's not easy to step into a new community or to put yourself out there, especially if you've been hurt before. Secondly, we're not a perfect church. We're all wounded. We're all in need of healing. Some of our wounds were inflicted by others. Some of them were self-inflicted by our own pride. But those wounds have humbled us. They've made us gentle. They've helped us to see our need for Jesus. And if you stick around, that's the story you'll be stepping into. That's the kind of community we are. We don't size one another up. We help one another bring our wounds to Jesus so that we can heal. We hope you stick around because we want you to experience the truth that you are a precious child of God. We want to be a soft place to land, a community in which you can experience the love and grace and tenderness of God and grow in a relationship with him and others. We want to be a spiritual midwife to deliver you into the arms of Jesus. Jesus, who has known you from the beginning, who formed you in your mother's womb, who knows everything about you, who loves you unconditionally, and who wants to heal and restore you body, mind, and soul. All right, let me talk to my brothers and sisters who already call College Church home. The valley where we live is filled with people who desperately need a community of wounded healers, We have neighbors who've given up on the church, but who haven't yet given up on God. Neighbors who need to belong before they can believe. Neighbors who have experienced rejection and trauma and need to be assured of their worth. Neighbors who've been deprived nurture and stability and need to experience the warmth, love, tenderness, and wisdom of a healthy family. Neighbors who have made terrible mistakes that are a source of ongoing regret and shame, and they need to know that they are still loved by God and are still useful to him. Neighbors who are too proud to admit that they need help, who need to see the virtues of humility and mutual submission lived out in community. We have neighbors with needs that we can't meet, 
who nonetheless need people to walk with them and offer what they can and at the same time point them in the direction of others who might be able to help. Let's be a place of healing. Let's get close to pain. Let's tend the wounds. The reality is every single one of us has wounds that need to be healed. And it's our awareness of our own wounds that allows us to come alongside of wounded people without even a hint of superiority. We all need Jesus to heal us. And it's our dependence on him that enables us to become wounded healers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for drawing near, for healing the brokenhearted and binding up their wounds. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, our wounded healer. God, help us to be in touch with our wounds and to bring them to Jesus. Help us to share our wounds with one another. And as we do, help us to become the kind of church that draws near to, that heals wounded people. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen.